In this week's episode of the Investors Corner, we're joined by Chris, who's an expert in commercial property. Now, we don't really hear a lot of information out there regarding commercial property investment, and that's the reason why we wanted to get Chris on. So what are the advantages and what are the disadvantages of commercial property investing? How long is the lease? Is it a long-term investment or a short-term investment? What's the process with commercial property investing and how is it different to the buy-to-let residential? And is it now the right time to diversify your portfolio and look at commercial property investing for a higher yield? So make sure that you listen into this one and as ever, make sure that you subscribe to The Investor's Corner. Okay, welcome back to another episode of The Investor's Corner. Today, we're glad to be joined by Christopher Thomas. We've been asking for a commercial agent for a little while and Chris has stepped up to the plate as the man who found us our premises and a good local active agent in the Thames Valley. So, Chris, thanks for joining us. Yeah, thank thank you, you, Chris. A pleasure. It's a first timer, so we're going to get into it. A lot of our clients, customers, listeners obviously invest in residential buy-to-let because that's our stock and trade. Something that we've been looking at at Avocado as you've walked in today is every single desk is now occupied. We're now looking at the natural upsize is, is what do we do? Do we go and buy a new, buy a commercial premises or do we continue being tenants, which I guess is a similar vibe to a family. If you're renting, do you go and rent something bigger or do you step onto the ladder and get something done? So we were just talking off camera. I think there's a bit of a disassociation between people who are very comfortable doing a residential buy-to-let, but very few people get into the commercial property sector as a landlord. I feel like it feels like a bit of a step into the unknown and a bit of a closed shop. So we're going to try and open that up today. So Chris, what are the differences and why don't people buy in commercial real estate? Familiarity is the key. So people live in a house, live in a flat, they understand the residential sector. They like to think as though they're feeling their way through that in a known territory. Whereas the commercial property market is cloaked with terminology law that might sound as though it's quite complex and a little bit on the other side, whereas in fact, the other side is fairly straightforward. And as you said, if you're expanding your business, then your key factors for whether you're going to buy or rent are firstly availability. Um, secondly, flexibility. How quickly is the is the business growing? Um, what's the right size for it? What's your long-term aspirations? So in the occupier market, which is slightly different to the investor market, flexibility is often the the primary concern so that's why there are lots of commercial properties which are let Mm -hmm. which then feeds back into the why would you buy a commercial property investment so why would you do that well there are some fairly simple um, reasons to do that the primary is probably the yield so in the residential market i've heard some crazy yields i think the returns being the yields have pushed out a little bit. The law within the residential sector is set to change. There's a bill going through Parliament at the moment which will make it more difficult to 
dislodge your residential tenant if they're not we talk about that a little bit it's my favorite subject (laughs) the rent reform bill you see see how how enthusiastic he looks (laughs) (laughs) why not what do you do if you've got student lets how's the law going Mm -hmm. to impinge on that and so on so i think people are probably casting their eyes around a little bit more to see what other forms of property investment there are out there so we have a range of properties within that sector primarily office, industrial, retail. There's a lot of sensationalist journalism about how dire the retail Mm. market is, why people aren't going to the office, what's going to happen with the office sector. Um, Logistics, very good market, mainly because people do such a lot of buying online. So the warehouses are full, people can't find enough warehouse space. So getting into the commercial sector you kind of need to be guided by someone that understands it as to where rents are likely to go Mm. in order to see where the returns are going to be. Yeah, I mean, the the logistics is obviously, I mean, that's for a big-time investor, isn't it? If you ever drive up the M1 or I think down the M5 after you get past Bristol, some of those warehouses take about five minutes to drive past they are at 70 miles an hour. Yeah, it's, <laughs> yeah. it's phenomenal, yeah. the, the the sizes of these places. And, and from a return point of view, you can see why why people get into that. But you mentioned, you, you mentioned something that I wanted to get onto, which was obviously sensationalist reporting, uh, which we try and stop um where we can so friday cushman and wakefield reported that rents in london on retail properties are back to pre-pandemic levels when i was under the impression the world had changed forever well i was reading at the week uh, in the weekend i won't mention the the paper but i was reading that uh canary wharf which has gone through a um change of ownership uh, the retail sector has now just reached past pre-pandemic sales within the retail, within the shops that are there. Mm. Um, so, yeah, people are recovering, but there are subsectors within that. So you get to hear about the the great big glitzy uh, schemes, but actually neighbourhood parades are very popular. Yeah. The government has carried on the 25% relief on business rates. So that sounds as though, as though you get 25% off of your business rates if you are an occupier, a tenant. In fact, you only pay 25% of it. 75% yeah. reduction. Yeah. So as soon as that came in, we thought, well, hang on a sec. Um, that means that rents are going to be more affordable. So as the pandemic has passed, uh, neighborhood rents have gone up. So in this area, we've carried out three rent reviews, one lease renewal on, on the Prader shops in Binfield. You can stay away from me, Chris. No, all, got- <laughs> <laughs> all, all the rents have gone up. Um, and you, be, you can become a little bit overly forensic on what's going on. The surveyors, we talk about rental tones and uh, what's what's it break back in terms of zone A? Now that's a, enough to make you zone out. Yep, a little bit. Yep, yeah. <laughs> I was gone. Start thinking on a sec, <laughs> and it can get very technical. Uh, but I've been doing this for forty years, and I can stand outside of a property and say, right, how much is someone going to pay for that? Yeah. Where is the rent going? What's that going to affect the yield? What's the return going to be? <laughs> so if we plug back to the industrial sector with big Amazon warehouses mm. and so on. 
Um, you don't need to be into that size. We sold a, a property in um, Windsor, uh, 8,000 square foot warehouse for 1.2 million. That might sound like a lot of money. It's in investment terms, we sell anything from 200,000 pounds upwards. Uh, so 1.2, we let that to Lapland UK Limited, and the the clients are now getting a return of about nine percent on on the yield. They had to spend a little bit of money to bring the warehouse up to up to date, mm-hmm. um, but that's that's a good return when you compare it to the residential letting market. Yeah, what what sort of average yields do we see in commercial property then? Because the average yield for for a buy to let is I don't know, we're see sort of five or or six percent for a for a decent Yeah, I reckon six per, I th- think we're back to about six yeah. percent given the increases on rent and the and the decline of, of asking prices. Yeah. And maybe leaseholds you can go over six percent on now. But obviously, the costs have gone up. Yeah, so and, then, we, and with HMOs as well, we might see eight, nine percent, maybe ten percent. Yeah. So it'd be interesting to sort of, you know, take a buy to let or a HMO investment and then compare it to a commercial property and what the average yield is on that. Because I think with commercial in investing, I don't see a lot of information on it. The people that I speak to don't know anything about it but i think right now if you want to diversify your portfolio then commercial property is definitely something that's that's worth looking into and whether you do that by yourself or whether you go jointly in with someone or or something like that it's definitely worth you know looking into because obviously it might depend on your long-term goal as as well because commercial property might be longer leases compared to your normal buy-to-let properties um but yeah, it's just interesting to to know what the average what average yield that you're seeing on commercial properties right now. Yeah, it varies a little bit to the residential market. I don't think it's as management intensive. Mm. So you're not being called or you don't have to employ a managing agent because Miss Jones's uh, light bulb's gone out yeah. or the radiator's not working. Come and fix my boiler. <laughs> yeah. yeah. What? The tenant needs to take care of that commercially, so there's there's less ongoing running costs. Mm. Generally, you get longer term leases, yeah. So five, ten, fifteen year terms. Uh, you'll have a rent review within that, typically at the fifth year. Um, so the rent will stay the same, will go up. It's not quite as cut and thrust as the residential market, mm. where you just turn around to the tenant in the flat and say, well, your rent's going up by £200 a month or whatever it's going up by. Um, so uh, you've got it, there's different comparisons. It's a bit yeah. like apples and pears. So I would suggest that um, you've got to take all of that into account. The yield levels have pushed out. So using a weather forecast as an as a as a as a way of comparing it, mm. we've had a bit of a low come in from the Atlantic. Yields have gone out, so investment properties become slightly cheaper. Um, so you're looking at uh, six, seven, eight percent yields on a lot of the stock, unless it's stock where there is rental growth. Mm. So the warehouse market uh, yields were around about four, four and a half, five percent 
uh, pre-pandemic. Um, so if you're getting, I just use an easy figure, it's roughly right, £10 a foot for a, a warehouse property as a landlord. Mm. Um, you are now up to the mid-teens for quality stock. You're into the £20 per square foot. So you might have bought at 4 or 5%, but because rents have gone up, your intermediate yield is now pushing towards 10%. So there, there's an angle towards seeing where the market happens to be going as well as at the point at which you're buying in. Uh, and we're seeing that opportunistically across different sectors. So um, the day nursery, children day nursery sector, uh, there's serious demand in that. Rents are moving up. Community uses, veterinary practice, dental practices, so on. Their rents mm. are, are increasing uh, because there's the catchment keeps on the 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 number of people in the country keeps going up yeah yeah it's, it's a good point isn't it you can look at trends so pandemic the world and his wife got a dog mm. or a cat so in a year or two years time you're going to see the knock on that more veterinary surgeries or veterinary surgeries are going to have to expand and go to bigger premises as a, as a knock-on effect people start shopping online or people start online shops when they expand, they're going to need to move out of the garage and into a small light industrial warehouse in order to scale their business. It's just whether those things are a flash in the pan or whether those things are long-term trends, I suppose, is mm. the risk or the gamble that you have to take as a buyer. Yeah, the UK hasn't gone into recession. and No, I mean, we keep about talking it. about, well, we don't, but everybody else seems to keep talking yeah. about it. The, the, the economy's only grown half a percent, which means we could go into recession. No, it, it meant the economy grew half a percent. Yeah. yeah and I mean, we'll probably do that next quarter yeah, too. Definitely. Well, interestingly, Germany went into negative growth, mm. uh, whereas we didn't. Germany is very industrial, which I'm very jealous of because I think we've lost our industrial base. So it's very rarely that we go around an engineering factory. We're dealing with one in Heston at the moment, and it was a delight to walk in and see lathes and cutting and people actually producing something because normally <laughs> we walk into a warehouse and it's full of goods that are being shifted from yep. overseas. From China to somewhere, yep. And then on to the house. So, uh, yeah, we, we, we're slightly um, fortunate that we're not as reliant on power having come out of, um, well, going through the, the European Ukraine-Russian war, which is horrendous, but and everything else is going on in the world that's a bit negative at the moment. But we are very much a service-related um, uh, economy. Mm. So uh, I can see that in other sectors like the office sector, although people say, well, we're all working from home, the travel is going in the opposite direction. Um, CEOs, senior management want their staff back in the office. The office has just cha changed the nature of itself. And even though we're in a low growth economy, I think that economy will be pushed um, and the office sector will recover and the rents will start to go back up. So now is not a bad time to be going in and trying to buy some fairly cutely uh, priced office stock. Um, there's something else to watch out for within that, which uh, is grade listed property, slightly expensive to maintain, more, more than the, the modern premises, but you don't pay business rates 
whilst grade-listed property is vacant. So there are sort of little angles to play around with to work out what are you going to do with the building. So you, you might buy something with vacant possession um, and then work out a, a scheme to get it tenanted up. So there's all that. There's an, there's an awful lot to think through, through the, the commercial property ladder. Um, yeah, I mean, it's, a, it's a great forecast that you've just given on on office and based property there that yeah we do hear every day that people want their staff back to the office my team enjoy working in an office or having a base to come into it's not as if we drag everybody in every day but we're seeing more and more people in the office more and more of the time now by yeah. choice mm. we, we acquired some offices for a uh, client in brighton as a tenant rather than than as an investment uh, i was talking to them uh couple of weeks ago just to see how things were going and they said we were in the office all together last tuesday we got so much done (laughs) (laughs) i thought yeah that's what happens yeah Yeah, it does help i think the the novelty of working from home um has has worn off slightly you know people that i speak to that they've been working at home for two years plus now they're going back into the office three four days a week because they find it boring working from home or mentally because it's just them at home they're not in the right right frame of mind which affects their work that they do at home and um, some have found that they've become a bit lazy doing doing working from it's home. it's got but... its pros and cons i mean yeah. I, I can't imagine being a a new graduate or apprentice or or inexperienced person yeah. being given a job and working from home because most of the experience i acquired was by the osmosis of mm. having experienced people around me who could coach and help and mentor every time I spoke to someone or did something, get some feedback on, on what I was doing rather than be totally anonymous at the end of a yeah. Teams or a Zoom call. Going back to your warehouse £1.2 million purchase, 9 to 10% return. Who's your buyer? How? Not not literally who's your yeah. buyer, but uh, we don't need names. Um, who typically buys that? How and why? So that example, we had interest from business people who had very successful businesses and were just wanting to diversify their base. So buy something, rent it, that's lovely, lock it away, and we've got the rent coming in. Whether they put it on their balance sheet for their main business or whether they have a separate property company that they set up um, through to uh, large uh, industrial-based specialists who look at an opportunity and think, yeah, okay, well, that's it. We've got the cash, let's go and buy it. A lot of it is cash-based because commercial mortgages are more expensive than your residential mortgage. Um, so we tend to find that it's it, it's a business purchase. Um, on an individual level, the lot size would be a little bit smaller than 1.2 million usually. Uh, it's not really a property company at 1.2, although there are people with that amount of money around that might yep. speculate. Um, we have, for example, in Windsor Town Centre at the moment, a restaurant where 50% of it is owned by one party, 50% by another. I know them both. One of them has come along and said, actually, 
for family reasons, we'd rather not have our 50% ownership. Can you please find someone to buy it? So um, the rent on that is f- uh, over £40,000 a year. Um, half of that rent is going to be at just over £20,000 a year, and they would be looking at £275,000 as a sale price. So, And it's let on a, a long lease with, to a tenant with a with a full repairing so they're responsible for the lights and the boilers and everything at the roof everything else so they deal with that um that's showing around a seven and a half to eight percent yield rent review coming up in 18 months time so that's kind of you talk to your friends and your and your mates at that kind of level our database Mm. if you like and say what do you think and again that's attractive for a different type of purchaser so they can just buy that think well that's great get, get paid rent monthly Lovely. it's your equivalent of a really long-term savings account isa kind of level of risk yeah yeah with some exit route um, mm-hmm. in the future we just hold it and, and keep going uh but restaurant food and beverage has been very popular the, the planning use class has opened up in tw- september 2020 so where you had a shop, it had to stay as a shop. Where yeah. you had a restaurant, mm. it had to stay as a restaurant. Where you had an estate agent, so it would have to stay as an estate agent. And then the, the government, in their wisdom, and it was it was wise, said, look, actually, we want the high streets to, to thrive. So let's just make the planning process easier. And we'll give permitted rights on uh, whole use class across the board. So you don't have to go and get a restaurant use for a shop quick question how many coffee shops is enough coffee shops enough (laughs) (laughs) i I see about 10 on the high street within the space of 100 yards all all full (laughs) yeah incredible there are certain towns where we just say please no (laughs) No. i wonder how you pick the coffee shop that you want to drink coffee in they're all full right yeah so people have their favorites it's like it's like people have their they'll they'll go to war over whether they're a Starbucks or a Costa. Type of coffee being used. Depends on who your drug dealer is. (laughs) (laughs) Get that caffeine. (laughs) It's the same with barbers. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Barbers is, 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 is exactly the same. How many barbers does, does one town need? It seems to be endless. Well, we, t- we tend to come across the saturation point when mm. it's reached its limit. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then suddenly a particular type of user stops paying rent. <laughs> right, yeah. We, we had one where we had a lovely landlord. He had a six-month rent deposit. Um, the We thought the barber looked slightly dodgy, mm. and he did a runner. Okie dokie. Um, well, you've got your six-month rent deposit. He said, well, actually, no, they haven't been paying rent for six months. Oh, that's <laughs> that's right. Okay, well, you should have flagged this up sooner. So there is, there is an So if, if, if you buy as a landlord, the advice on that side is that, you know, if you've, if you've got a, maybe a retail premises and you can see eight barbers from your front door and a barber approaches you, are, are you making selective decisions or with your agent are you making selective yeah. decisions of this person's making a bad business decision mm. rather than, hey, we've got a tenant? Yeah. So we will tend to steer clients, whether they're the landlord uh, looking uh, at their existing portfolio or a new entrant into the market buying an investment just say look th- this is where the market is for this village or this town that's what we need to concentrate on yeah yeah that's interesting so one of the main re- as a business owner myself and yourself one of the main reasons i see is attractive 
for owning commercial property is how you can own it, which I think a lot of our listeners are business owners, but maybe don't appreciate that you can invest in a commercial property in a slightly different way. We can hold a commercial property in a slightly different way, which is very, very beneficial to your pension. Is that something you can give us two minutes to explain on? Okay. So, uh, yeah, so you can buy through your, your pension pot, through your SIP. Uh, best to have your financial advisor help you through that process. But, yes, you can. It's a very tax-efficient way of, of getting into the market. You don't have to go, presumably, if you've got enough of a pot of money there, you don't have to go to one of the high street banks or one of the specialist financial houses to to get the money. Uh, you've got 250, 300, 400,000 pounds there. You can think, right, okay, well, actually, I'd rather get a, uh, a known return of six, seven, eight percent from a commercial property as opposed to leaving my um, unit trust or whoever, whichever pension fund it is, the PRU or whoever you happen to be with, struggling to get me. 3%, 4% maybe, and then charging me 1% for the privilege of yeah. telling me yeah. how wonderful. This is, I've, I've always been reasonably critical but unqualified um, when talking about pensions because any employer pension that I've ever had doesn't perform. I feel like if I invested £1 in every one of the FTSE 250 companies, I would outperform my own pension um confidently there was, there was goldfish, as well a goldfish that did that apparently <laughs> what's that Al <laughs> played a fund manager yeah and depending on which half of the, of the fish tank the fish was in depending on what they did with the stocks and shares the fish made more money <laughs> okay yeah I, I, there was similar prediction models in a couple of world cups wasn't there there was an octopus yeah. at one octopus. point yeah, yeah and, I, and, octopus. and that says it all <laughs> yeah. i mean because if you put yourself in the position of a small, medium business owner, maybe a, a plumbing company that now has six vans on the road that needs a base with an office and some storage and somewhere to, to keep their vans, you, and you've made good profit over the years, well, taking that commercial premises in your own self-invested pension means that your business effectively is funding your pension whilst acquiring property seems to be a really sensible way of growing the business stabilizing the business and making it tax efficient at the same time because maybe business owners whilst encouraged by our accountants aren't the best at thinking about the future well we're very much in the present a lot of the time yeah absolutely yeah so having done this for a lamentable number of years 40 ish um and as an expert witness of air as well, I do get involved in a lot of the detail that comes behind valuing, what's it worth, uh, where's it going. I've seen over those years, um, I'm now acting for the next generation and even the generation after that generation from when I started. So I've seen business owners come along and buy as owner-occupiers. And, then, and as that also is a nice thing to be able to do if you have a long-standing need for a, for a building, try and buy it. And now they're retiring or their business has moved on or they've got, they've got other horizons they want to deal with and we let them out and then eventually, and it's happening now, they think, oh, well, maybe I just want to realise the capital and they sell. So there's that whole, if you like, investor journey that goes on. Yeah. 
Um, and then what they do with the money, I don't know. Uh, well, like but, it's, it's just nice to have the money there to go on. If you, mm, you know, you're thinking crazy. right, well, the the, the business is the, sorry, the the property's worth half a million quid, and I'm eighty. You know, yeah, there's yeah, plenty of time to spend that half yeah, million we, quid, isn't there? Rather we, than we, having we the drip. Got, yeah, we've got clients in their nineties. God bless them. Who mm. uh, turn around and said, actually, you know, this office block that I've got near Stain Station. I'd rather just sell it, and it's multi-tenanted with a with a few voids. I, I really can't be bothered anymore. Yeah, and, and, and it's just, so. you, you see the same story with buy to let investors. It run it runs its race for somebody. It's done its job um, through that period, and when you can see that kind of length of time end in sight of right, I've probably got five or ten years worth of being a retired spender rather than a someone who sits and doesn't do anything because I'm past the spending stage, then I say fair play. You know, it is it is what it is on on that on that time. Have you seen commercial rates increase in the same way that residential have over the 20, 30 year period? Do we see the same doubling and doubling of property values just because it stands on the same land as as a residential property? No, which makes commercial property quite a good buy <laughs> because it hasn't gone up. Double, treble, quadruple, however, however much that has, it's been quite stable. I think the income levels from it have been relatively stable. We've now seen some changes in the market, uh, which we've touched on already. Like retail rents going up a bit, hmm. um, warehouse rents going up significantly, but uh, they tend to be long-term holds. It's, yeah. not, it's not as emotive as as the residential market, you know, when you're having a, in a, in a dinner party or something and they're talking about, Oh, we just bought another apartment and buy mm. to let, which was probably all the talk seven, eight years. Yeah, ago. absolutely. Yeah. Um, yeah. That fueled its own little wagon. So we don't have the highs and the lows, mm. uh, that the, that the residential market does. I, I mean, through the nineties, it was, it was pretty dire. I, I wish, in hindsight, that I bought lots of residential property in the because <laughs> looking back, it was good. it was cheap, cheap. Yes, um, expensive to borrow the money though. So there's always then. there's I always th- the barrier, isn't I there? I think the the residential market has um, does does have itself clouded in in emotive issues as to as to why you buy. You, you're keeping up with Bill, yep. John, and Raj, and everyone else in your group. Um, and the, the same reason for disposing as well, like you say, because there's so many more touch points with residential. We have landlords who, you know, they don't hear from their tenant for a year, but then they have three maintenance jobs in a week, and you just get, oh bloody hell, let's just sell it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And you have to just take them back a couple of steps to remind them that a broken tap, a sticky lock, and a door that needs rehanging is not the end of yeah. the world. They have collected £18,000 in rent since the last thing went wrong. But obviously the commercial side of things, you don't have the tenant changeover. You don't have the um, the same issues with day-to-day repair because you're letting something on a full repairing lease. And that tenant is likely to be there for, as you say, 5, 10, 15 years plus. Um, so it's a bit more of a, a spreadsheet investment. It is than a, yeah. than a so day it's to a day. Long, it's a long term goal investment, isn't it? Commercial property. If you're looking at, um, you know, investing five, ten, fifteen, fifteen years. Some of the some of the current landlords that we speak to are not looking at it as a long term investment. They might want to do it for two years, sell, 
buy something else or release some of the equity to to invest in in something else. So you've got your short short term investors, you've got your long term investors. I think commercial properties sort of maybe sitting on the in the longer term investment sort of category. But you know, if if you can do it and spread the risk of of your in, investment or diversify your portfolio, then yeah. It's definitely something to look into. It's just that knowledge piece that people need to look into it more. It's not as scary as it as it might yeah, feel I mean, from the outside when I mean, everyone goes down the high street, don't they, and sees the shops and the, and yeah. the offices, and a lot of the so, offices need filling up because of the right sizing that's been going on, but that will happen. Um, so it's more about i think the the legal side what's a commercial lease look like yeah they can look a bit daunting they're sort of 50 60 70 pages long some of them yeah um but the law is uh has developed faster commercially than it has residentially which is why there's the bill going through mm. um parliament at the moment uh to try and bring the residential sector more in tune with the commercial sector so i can see the two will blend yeah, and the commercial market will seem less. Um, yeah, uh, scary is the wrong word, but less of, of an obstacle to get into. Um, it needs setting up properly to to begin with, and you need a proper lease. There are all sorts of regulations now that were nowhere around when I started. It was like the Wild West when I began. Mm. Um, you know, EPCs, asbestos registers, uh, fire risk assessment, fire risk management. Um, that's just a few little things off the top of my head that, um, that that are part of a plethora of other rules and regulations that have come in. You've also got the cost of purchase, so you've got to pay your stamp duty on it. Is the property elected for VAT? What do you do about that? There are things like um, being able to um, put it into a class as trading as a going concern, um, so the VAT issue disappears. Um, so you know, there's there's lots to it, but um, don't don't I, I would say grasp it rather than than sort of put it in the um, in the filing cabinet for maybe sometime later. So if you sat here with upwards of quarter of a million pounds in your business bank account to invest where do you start because if you've got a quarter of a million pounds or half of that and you're looking at buy to let you tend to start on right move it's the obvious go to where on earth do you start you think right okay this sounds good commercial property is worth looking into what's your first second and third moves as a as a as a potential buyer well, the second one, Zoopla. <laughs> <laughs> we tend not to to advertise that much with Rightmove because Rightmove is so expensive, um, and that's that's simply to try and look at our own cost mm-hmm. base. Yep. Um, and For those of you out there, Rightmove is about ten times the price of Zoopla. It's a lot more expensive. Just yeah. to throw and a I'm, shock. Um, I can't go into comparing the two because I, I, I don't want to have a, a, a dissing <laughs> contest between two of the big names out there. Um, right, neither have had enough of us from the last two weeks of podcast <laughs> episodes dropping their name in there. So yeah, well, they're trying to mentioned. sort of recover, aren't they, at the mm-hmm. moment in terms of the, the slightly bad press that they've had <laughs> and their future. And- 
it's uh, yeah, strange business, loved by the public, hated by its customers. But we'll leave it at that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah it so yeah, so, so start you, and, on and on on a Zoopla, for example. Your, within your territory, just just look up who the most active commercial property agents happen to be, and have a chat with a few of them. Um, if you want them, well, we're very friendly and reactive, so we'll we'll get back to people, or we'll have a chat and talk things through. Um, which and the commercial property market can seem as though it's a bit standoffish uh, and a bit snooty, whereas it it's not really. Um, so don't don't be don't be uh, put off by having to pick a phone up to someone and have a chat rather than than just see what's online because you'll you'll get a bit more knowledge through a telephone conversation. Than I think will. that's that's a really good point because the residential market is quite often very well advertised but then very shallow when you talk to someone in knowledge whereas the the commercial market from what i see tends to be probably very poorly marketed but then when you speak to someone you speak to someone with an absolute encyclopedic knowledge yeah. about what they're doing and, and and how they're doing it so yeah well that's Find one of those hundred coffee shops in your town and <laughs> yeah. uh, and sit down with someone is probably the the, the best shout. Uh, whereas yeah. you might want to not might not want to talk to an estate talk, agent talk for long enough a, with a coffee. Talk mm-hmm. to a local regional agent. Uh, we get lots of the big town agents ringing us up for information mm. um, for encyclopedic knowledge that we have. Yes, which I feel, feel slightly schizophrenic about. Uh, so during the pandemic, I thought, well, I'm. I, yeah, I am an encyclopedic on this. Uh, so I got onto our institution, the RICS, and said, can I actually become an expert? Is there such a thing as as becoming a, a formally qualified expert? And they said, you can. Yeah, it's a bit of hard work, but you can do it. So uh, in order to put some letters um, at the end of that knowledge, there are a few uh, surveyors in the area who are acknowledged as experts. So... Um, have a chat with them if you can. I'm one of them, uh, but there aren't that many of us, which is probably why we're so poorly marketed. <laughs> <laughs> so, last up, I think we've had one prediction from you, which is that the the office market is due a good increase over the next few years of occupation levels. I've seen from Bracknell bid particularly that Bracknell's take up on office space is much higher than the national average already in the last couple of weeks. What are your thoughts on hotspots and the right types of buys for the next few years? So it's, I I don't think the right type of buy for an office is uh, sit back and, oh, that's great. I've got a tenant in there for the next five, 10 years paying X per square foot and a yield of Y. The office market has developed because people like working from home and you have to have an office that's more attractive to work from than working from home. So the office sector is waking up to that and there's a flight to quality. So in its simplest form, you have to make the commute worth it. Mm-hmm. Um, so the the older style, shabby sort of office, oh, anyone will fill it, don't worry about it type of sector really doesn't tick so if you are looking to buy into the office market either buy something that is in need of an uh, refurbishment upgrading and then you'll you'll benefit from getting a decent rent 
or buy a product that is already quality, but there might there won't be as much profit in that. Yeah, because there's someone else will be already less, taking less this. Yeah, yeah, uh, it's becoming harder to turn offices into flats. Um, I don't think the residential market is oversubscribed. There always seems to be demand for for residential space, but the local authorities around here are making it more difficult for. Uh, offices to be bought and then converted, you have to prove economic loss. Um, and Windsor, for example, as a town, lost uh, one third of its office stock. So already there's one third less biscuits in that tin. So you, you, Bracknell, as you said, there's been good take up. Um, so the market supply is diminishing, therefore the rents will improve. Uh, it's a good time to get into... Yeah, it's commodity-based, right? If, if you're one of a 1,000, it's not a particularly valuable commodity, mm. but if that 1,000 halves... Yeah, we have certain towns which always command rental premiums. Uh, we always get an argument from people say, looking around here, well, I'll go to Slough, you know. Well, all right, go to Slough then. <laughs> you, know, <laughs> you don't want to be in, in Windsor or you don't want to be in Egham or you don't want to be Virginia Water. Um go to Slough. Yeah. It's horses for courses, isn't it? So there are different rental tones for different towns, different areas. Uh, but there, there is good demand there. It's a, it's a false uh, horizon to make people think, oh, you know, I can just go and get an office deal anywhere I want to. If you're a tenant, you need, you, you, you whittle it down. Mm. Um, I don't want to waffle on too much, but it's, <laughs> It's a bit. It's easier in the in the in the residential sector because you have a a one bedroom flat, two bedroom flat, maybe a terrace, semi detached, whatever. Whereas in the office sector, it's sort of how many people do you need to get in? It can yeah. vary between five hundred square feet, a thousand square feet, forty five thousand square feet, twenty five thousand square feet, depending on your headcount, what you're doing, where you're going. Do you have one office? Do you have satellite offices? Um, how how do you operate? Uh, so we we have a client that. Bought a vacant office in Windsor about five months ago, completely renovated it, chopped it up into small suites, uh, if you like, the equivalent to one or two or three bedroom apartment sort of mm -hmm. levels, but within the office sector. And we're filling that up with uh, occupiers in the area who want flexibility. Um, and that's commanding premium rents. It's got parking on site, it's got all the tick boxes. Uh, so that's from a fairly savvy. Um, mm. property investor it's a family company mm -hmm. um, and it's going well and we're, we're achieving better rents for those smaller suites as you'd expect uh, and they're filling up great well chris thanks for joining us and explaining some of the mysteries around it as ever at the bottom of the podcast on the show notes christopher thomas's details contact details links to his website will be there if you've got any direct questions feel free to either pop them on the social link or go direct. I'm sure he'll be happy to, like I say, if you buy a, buy him his coffee, um, have that have that conversation <laughs> yeah. with you. But again, thanks for joining us and taking the time out of your day to do so. Till the next episode, we'll see you then. Bye.